the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker. I am your host. And today we are discussing a topic, an issue that is very important that has typically fallen on either one side or the other of the left-right conservative liberal aisle. It has long fallen to one side or the other. But now both sides are having a similar discussion, and uh, many folks are trying to unpack this, even those within the Christian community. The topic that we're going to discuss today is the death penalty or capital punishment. Um, honestly, and, and I'll, I'll mention this, and I do mention this in the interview that we have here in just a moment, and really, really very thankful to have the guest on that we do and to be able to have this conversation. This is an issue that I have for many, many years, simply accepted or adopted one side of, (laughs) because as I mentioned, this typically falls into a left-right, conservative, liberal, and particularly Christian conservative side, and everyone else, I guess. I don't know what's on the other side of that. But uh, there is a sense in which, if you are a conservative and you are a Christian, that you simply accept the death penalty as being appropriate, uh, acceptable, something we should hold up, something we should defend, and something we should get behind. This is an issue that I have uh, only recently in the last couple of years started to think more deeply about. And as I have considered it and looked at it, really been exposed to so many of the issues around capital punishment, the death penalty. Uh, Many of those issues stem from an understanding of our justice system and how broken our justice system is. And on this show, so often I, I talk about how we need to view the issues of our culture through the right worldview. We talk about a biblical lens or a biblical worldview, looking at everything from the perspective of the Bible. What would the Bible have to say about this? How would we be informed through scripture about this issue, whatever the issue is? And again, we always talk on this show about having what we need, the information and the perspectives to navigate an ever-changing culture. Uh, This is one of the areas in culture that is changing voices that once were staunchly pro-death penalty or pro-capital punishment are not anymore. Groups that once would have been pro-one position are now pushing for another position. And so this is an issue that's changing in culture, but it's one that we need to think about not only practically, again, we'll discuss that a little bit in this interview, not only the practical nature of it, but we need to look at it from a biblical perspective. And we need to understand how the two connect and intersect and how we can measure the practical through the biblical. And uh, I, I... It is so important that we stop long enough to have these conversations. Uh, We've had several guests on in the past um, and done several episodes on the pro-life issue, on the issue of the sanctity of life in the womb, the anti-abortion position. And I try to distinguish now, you have to distinguish my position um, as more anti-abortion, that is against abortion at any time for any reason, uh, than the pro-life position, which may have some exceptions. 
depending on who you're talking to. I am firmly, staunchly, uh, 100% anti-abortion. And again, we've talked about that a lot on this show. We've had great guests on on this show. My other podcast that I do, the March or Die podcast, I had a great guest on. We talked for over an hour about this particular issue. So we've talked a lot about this. Um, the question that our guest today raises is this one, and it's a question for Christians. If we are anti-abortion or pro-life and also pro-death penalty, are we really pro-life or are we simply pro-birth? Now, again, uh, this is an insult <laughs> almost that is hurled at many on the conservative side that when we say we're pro-life, what we mean is we're pro-birth, that we don't care for a child once it's been born, all of these issues. I've written about this. You can go to my blog. I wrote an article about this uh, on my blog on the Culture tab. Look for my blog on jeremystalker.com if you're interested in checking that out. Uh, I've written about that. Again, I've talked about that. Uh, I believe that conservatives, I don't just believe it, um, we know because we have the information, um, the studies have been done. We know that conservatives are typically the ones who give a higher percentage of their personal income to support things like adoption and foster care and the needs of low-income people. Uh, this is just a fact. It's publicly available. We can see that. So to say that those who are pro-life are simply pro-birth, in that sense, is just it's a fallacy. But the point that our guest makes is not that one. The point that he's making is if you're really pro-life, you need to be pro-life in all situations. And that would extend then even to those who've committed crimes that we as a society have deemed are worthy of the death penalty or capital punishment. He makes this case, and uh, we talk about it. I'm so thankful to have this conversation. Regardless of where you fall on this issue, you need to fall there because you have thought it through, asked the questions, sought the right information, and come to your own conclusions. And if you have not done that, uh, then you really need to be very careful about where you fall on this issue. And uh, again, our guest today helps us do that. Our guest is Demetrius Minor. Demetrius is a preacher. He's an author, national manager of conservatives concerned about the death penalty. He's a contributor to Family Vision Media, a writer for Newsweek, political and religious commentator. And he talks not only about this issue, but about so many other issues. The thing that makes him unique is that he is not only a Christian, but a conservative. <laughs> and we're living at a weird time where you can be a Christian and not a conservative. But uh, he is a con conservative, he is a Christian, and he looks at this issue as he does so many other issues uh, through both of those lenses. Very grateful to have on as my guest, Demetrius Minor. Before we jump into that, though, um, I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, one of the things I would recommend is at least considering adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that, and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital, and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now 
Crazy shipping, uh, free shipping, and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need <laughs> to take a look at. You can call for details, 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near-perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Calling that number, you will get your free kit and there you will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation government debt interest rate hikes economic crashes even wars and how in all of those gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios Uh, one of the things i love about lear capital is that they are an american-owned company proud to do business with americans that share conservative values write this number down 800-489-6450 call them today or if you don't want to call you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes check them out you will do yourself a great service by at least investigating lear and what they have to offer there's an entire new economy being created right now filled with patriotic companies that have had enough of cancel culture and the left one you can support every day and all you have to do is get dressed I'm talking about undertack boxers. These have to be the greatest boxers ever made, probably because they have literally been tested by special forces operators. They're made with high quality material that's antimicrobial, anti-pilling, and moisture wicking. So you stay fresh and dry all day long. They come with a sturdy yet comfortable waistband that doesn't crack or loosen. Undertack is durable, ultra thin, and shrink resistant. Here's the best part. They're almost 30% less than the woke designer brands with the non-binary models. GetUndertack.com. That's GetUndertack.com. 20% off site-wide with the offer code, but only with the offer code SITREP20. SITREP20. Support a great American company that's pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-military. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. GetUndertack.com. That's GetUndertack.com. Offer code SITREP20. Demetrius, thank you so much for joining me. I am looking forward to this conversation. I can't even tell you. I've been looking forward to it for like three days. So thanks for doing it. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for having me. This is um, this is a discussion that uh, I'll just be very upfront. I, I don't even know where I fall on this. And um, that's why I was so excited to talk to you about this. I sure. became aware <laughs> of, of you and your work, particularly around the death penalty and talking about this from a Newsweek article that uh, that you wrote recently. And um, as a Christian, as a conservative, as someone who is uh, fundamentally pro-life on the abortion issue, um, and even more than pro-life, I'd say anti-abortion, um, the connection you make between that and the death penalty or capital punishment is fascinating to me. I've heard a lot of Christians make that connection. And I look at that from a few different ways, uh, a few different perspectives. And so, again, very interested in having this conversation with you and really looking forward to your perspective. But I think it's important as we get into it to start with your story and particularly your faith story, just to understand where you're coming from personally. Can you talk about that a little bit, your your faith story and how you kind of came to where you are now as a pastor, a preacher, a communicator, not only of the gospel and biblical value and worldview, but cultural and, and in many ways, conservative principles? Absolutely. It's a great question, Jeremy. Um, I want to say that my faith um, drives me. It's 
Uh, it defines who I am. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've grown up in church all my life. My dad pastored overseas and also in the state of Georgia. Always considered myself to be pro-life. I was adopted. Mm. So I'm not pro-life because it's political, but I'm right. pro-life because it's personal. But until I had this awakening about the death penalty, I found out that I wasn't really pro-life. I was simply pro-birth. And there is a difference. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Because in 2006 or 2007, I had a conversation with my then pastor at the time, and we talked about the death penalty. And at that point, up until that point, I was pro-death penalty, but I couldn't really tell you why. I just found myself supporting it as a default until he simply told me, he said, it's very hard to be pro-life and simultaneously pro-death. And so for me, I said, if I'm going to be pro-life, I have to be pro-life all the way. I have to be consistent across the spectrum because being pro-life is not agreeing how someone lives their life is agreeing that they have the right to live it and that we should look at the totality of life and not just the beginning of it. And so that was the mistakes I was making um, at the genesis of my political and spiritual journey was that I'm like, hey, I'm adopted. I know what it means to be pro-life. But as I began to search a little further I said, no, I think I'm just pro-birth. If if I'm going to wear the label of being pro-life, it's about the totality of life, the welfare of life. And so that's that's something that uh, has uh, rightfully challenged me in my journey. And um, as I went to study the death penalty even further, as a conservative, I I found out that it did not align with... um, fiscal principles. It did not align with the culture of life. Hmm. It did not align with the belief that government should be small and limited. Um, okay. A couple of, couple of things that come to mind and sincerely, these are questions that I, I'm just sure. very interested in your perspective on. Um, do you believe that all taking of life then is equal? So, 
the taking of innocent life is the same as the taking of someone who is, you know, we'll, we'll say a, a murderer. That's the most extre- extreme case. Um, sure. That the loss of life in war, in the protection of one's nation, or someone breaking into your house and threatening your family, that the taking of that life, that all taking of life is is equal. Do, do you Would that be where you land on that? And if so, is that a practical consideration or is that a biblical consideration? So the danger I feel in, in how we rank life and how we say that a particular life has more value over another life is the trap of rating one person over the other or saying that one person had dignity while another person um, didn't. And I do believe that there is a danger in that. Listen, right. ultimately, I believe that all life is precious. All sure. life is sacred. Sure. Um, that we were all um, created by, by God, our creator, and that all of us have a unique purpose and destiny to fulfill. Now, right. with that said, <laughs> we do have choices to make, right? right? So we can we can decide to, to go forward the, the route of, of destiny or, you know, we can, we can make some, some tough choices and right. um, we have to be accountable for that. But, but ultimately I do believe that we all were um, created with purpose and value. Right. And I, I completely agree with that. I believe that God has a plan for all of us. And um, uh, you make this point in your article on your social media that, you know, God knew us before we were born. I mean, as we were conceived, God knew us. He, he understood who we were. God has a purpose and a plan for us, but people do make decisions and there are consequences that are connected to those decisions and those people make those decisions. And I don't think it, I, I personally don't see that as it devalues life. It is just a consequence of the decisions that they have made. Um, which to me puts people in different categories, not, different values of life. I think people can accept Christ at any point in their journey before death. And I think God values that and loves them. Um, but I, I look at the difference between a child and someone who has you know, committed a heinous crime as being different because of the choices that they've made. Sure. And so I, I, I guess that's where I have a hard time connecting those two as being morally equivalent, that the two are exactly the same. How did you navigate that as you've looked at this, that, you know, a a child who has yet to be born, and so they have not made those decisions, and someone who has, of their own volition and their own will, understanding the consequences, have made other decisions, that there is a moral equivalence between the two? Sure. There's there's a couple of reasons why I came to that conclusion, Jeremy. Um, One thing to consider is that not everyone considers heinous crimes to be the same thing. Let's just take, for example, if if someone goes out and commits uh, a, mur- a murder, I think sure. we will call that a heinous act, right? Sure. What about someone whose child is kidnapped? They're not murdered. Let's just uh, let's see the, the the glass is half full here. Right. Um, they are they're able to be found and returned to the parents safe and sound, but they wasn't murdered. 
that's probably not going to be considered a heinous act. But to that to that child's parent, to that child's loved one, um, they're going to consider that heinous, traumatizing. Of course. And it's going to totally alter the course of their life, sure. even though, thankfully, that that child's that child's life yep. um, was saved. I think when I look at the death penalty, I look at the totality of it. So as a Christian and as a conservative, the family is the integral part of success or mobility, right? right. The family unit. Um, so when a murder is committed, all right, that means that now an integral part of that unit is missing. Someone's son, or excuse me, someone's child, someone's parent, someone's loved one. Yeah. is now going to be taken away from the family unit. And that's going to drastically alter the course of the life. Now, let's look, also look on the side of the perpetrator of that crime. Even though you and I may feel like it's a heinous act, now someone else's family is going to be missing an integral part of their unit. Right, And now it makes that family more susceptible to trauma, to violence, yep. to pain, even on the murder family side. These are two lives that are now going to need safety. They're going to need healing. So this is why I ch I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging the conservative community hmm. to look at the totality of life, even if it's a life that's lived drastically different than you and I. Right. So I want to ask then from two different perspectives. One is the sure. biblical perspective. Um, sure. It's not difficult to go to the Bible and find a strong case biblically, Old and New Testament, to support the protection of a child, and particularly the protection of a child in the womb. That pro-life argument is is very fundamentally Christian and fundamentally biblical. Um, very easy to come to that. Um, one can also make a case from the Bible that if someone commits a crime, particularly that ends in the, the death of an innocent person, that there should be the consequence that we would call capital punishment. One can make that argument from the Bible. Um, so there doesn't seem to be the equivalence between the two, scripturally speaking. Um, I'll just leave it with that. Address that. Address that if you would, please. Sure. Um, the Bible tells us in Timothy, uh, study to show yourself approved. Sure. Uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Or That's right. in other words, um, understanding the appropriate context of the scripture. So Matthew tells us, says, hey, you have heard uh, eye for an eye, yep. tooth for a tooth. However, what Jesus taught was contrary to the historical traditions that were practiced at that time. He also goes on to say um, through uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans that vengeance is the Lord's. Sure. And the last time I checked and I see myself in the mirror every day, right. <laughs> I'm not God. <laughs> right. Of course. Thankfully. Right. Yeah. That, that's definitely a role, a role 
way above my pay grade. So I, I do believe that our justice system and our tra traditional mindset, we, we, we tend to look at it through the lens of punishment and, and retribution. But I do believe that Christ looked through humanity through the lens of grace, restoration, rehabilitation. So that, that is something that I also want to challenge Christians and conservatives to not look through the lens of punishment and retribution, but also through the lens of healing and restoration for everyone that's involved. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bed sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-870-0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. So how do we handle then if we remove the death penalty and we say the Christian perspective is uh, restoration, it is, um, you know, as you just outlined that, how do we look at the handling of criminals who, you know, take a life or um, commit what we would generally accept as a heinous act against sure. another person? Um, sure. How do we how do we then handle that? Because, uh, you know, the, again, the same yeah. argument could be made. Well, if Jesus, you know, an eye for an eye and we went through all that, that he's dismissing any kind of responsible um uh, response from society so, against someone who commits a crime. Right. And, and so, you know, neither one of us are naive here. We, we do know that there is, there must be accountability sure. know, for one's actions there. Yep. As you uh, aforementioned, there are consequences. Right. Co consequences is not always a bad word. I mean, there's consequences for, for good deeds, but sure. obviously for bad deeds. I really believe that we need to reevaluate our criminal justice system yeah. um, as a whole, that, that, that a transformation needs to take place. Um, if you look through the, if you look at our criminal justice system, even through the lens of being a fiscal conservative, yeah, of course, look at the money that's being allocated towards things that are just antiquated and doesn't work. Then, um, you know, we have to ask the tough questions that you're asking now. Um, so, um, you know, conservatives concern about the death penalty is solely focused on eliminating um, the death penalty. Uh, and so with that said, when the, when the death penalty is repealed, um, I think we need to look and see what's going to be best way to make sure that violence does not occur, to make sure that everyone gets the healing that they need because there's trauma that's been put into place. And yeah. I think the best way to do that, uh, a conservative solution 
is through the lens of that specific local community uh, instead of having this one size fits all approach yeah. that government tends to have. I I feel like this is a challenging um, challenging uh, issue because the justice Absolutely. system is so broken and. Right. Um, it's easy, I think, in my mind, to conflate the problems in the justice system. As you mentioned, even with, uh, you know, the person who is in prison, their families. I, I've done um, work in prisons through the work that I do with veterans, and it, it's it's unbelievable the heartbreak of those families that have lost a dad or a, a child to prison for the duration of their life and the impact that has generationally. Um so I, I definitely understand that. But to conflate the two, I think, is is kind of the natural conclusion. Well, because the justice system is so bad, society is so bad, um, uh, DNA evidence has gotten better. People have been exonerated years after they were incarcerated, uh, right. that we should do away with the death penalty because of these issues. And as a practical matter, I think that's exactly right. I agree with that. I think until we can figure out the rest of it, we need to be very careful about the punishment that we um, meet out to people who are in a broken system for a lot of reasons. Um, as we look to fix the system, setting aside the issue of capital punishment, what are some of the things that we should be doing that would get us closer to the middle of this? I think one of the things we can look at is community-based violence inter intervention programs. Um, that, that can um, keep a, our community safe, and not just keep the community safe, but that can also um, help us save tax dollars. Right. So there's the, the physical component, which is intercepting violence or preventing violence. But then there's also the economic component of it, of making sure that taxpayer dollars is used um, wisely. Uh, right. I think another thing is to uh, focus on what that victim's families need, what services they need, the compensation that they need, the resources they need. I think uh, I think we need to continue to have conversations about mental health and, and, mm. and what all that encompasses. Um, so I, I really feel that we need to equip local communities, local neighborhoods. Uh, we need to equip them to be a resource that people can go to to help prevent violence. And then if we can do that, we can save. We're saving communities. We're right. saving families. And that within itself will help um, the justice system um, uh, be, be better used than what it is now. Yeah, that's good. Um, this is uh, such an important issue. This is one that, um, you know, I have grown up in a conservative home and a Christian home. I've pastored. I, I've, I've accepted capital punishment as this is this is right. And it's only been recently that I've started to think more deeply into some of these issues. And we've we've got to think about these issues, and we need to be able, depending regardless of which side we necessarily fall on, we have to be able to articulate why we're there and not just put our arms around what the people around us say we should believe. Um, you've written on this. 
you talk about this, you articulate this. What are some other resources people can go to that are sincerely interested in understanding the issues at work and trying to decide for themselves, you know, where they fall on this issue? What are some things that you would recommend to people? Absolutely. Um, thank you for the question, Jeremy. I, rep- I, I definitely recommend going to our website, conservativesconcern.org. On there, you will find um, reasons why we oppose the death penalty, what conservatives are saying about it, and the reasons why they're concerned, why conservatives are becoming the lead voices for repeal of the death penalty. Uh, I've also um, wrote about it in previous Newsweek articles about the racial component of the death penalty. Mm. Um, you can find my articles there on news on Newsweek, and um, I, I do want to um, encourage people to to follow our Twitter account. My personal Twitter account is dminor85, and conservatives concerned about the death penalty is ccatdp, where we are constantly sharing resources on violence prevention. We're sharing resources on death penalty repeal and solutions to our broken system. Yeah, that's awesome. And if uh, folks go to your Twitter uh, page, they'll not only find this, you write about a lot of things and you talk about baseball a lot on your Twitter page as well. So, so maybe the most upsetting thing about your social media is your position on baseball, but that's another whole episode. Listen, we'd be here all day. We got to be careful. I, I, baseball is my favorite sport that there's nothing more American, Jeremy. Yeah, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. Baseball stadium with a hamburger or a hot dog. You're absolutely right. Seventh inning um, stretch and doing the tomahawk chop for the. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the part that gets me is the tomahawk chop part. I've been a Dodgers fan for a lot, a lot of years, but uh, we'll come back to that at some point in the future, perhaps, but let's um, do it. Yeah. I, I appreciate I'm still, what uh, I'm still a little I'm still a little salty about um, Freddie Freeman being with you. Guys, but, uh, <laughs> well, there's a lot to baseball. talk about then. So <laughs> now that we've dealt with the death penalty, let's go to something harder like baseball, and uh, we can work through that. Um, I appreciate you, man. What you're writing about and talking about. Um, uh, one of the things I appreciated just finding you and looking at your social media. You guys, you and your church and others have done a lot, even in Florida, to to minister to folks. So it. it it's you living out what you're talking about, and I appreciate that. This is not simply a, a philosophical position that you take, but living out how important life is and the value of that. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for leading in this, and I uh, really appreciate you know, the conversation. Jeremy, thank you so much. And just, you know, one, one quick note on that. Yeah, my church, Tampa Life Church, um, we were able to help those in need, as you, as you, as you saw on social media. Yeah. On, on our way to Southwest Florida, um, m- my wife and I were driving down there and we had a friend that was riding with us and we saw a house that was submerged in water. Wow. And on the other wow. side of the street, we saw an 18-wheeler that was flipped over. It Two things, it makes you thankful for the resources that God has given you. Yep. And it gives you a, a new appreciation for the brevity of life. Yep. So I'm very thankful for our church community um, that's equipped with the resources to help yep. those in need. That's awesome. Demetrius, thank you so much, and I hope we can talk again. Absolutely, Jeremy. I enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. 
The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Appreciate Demetrius coming on the show and uh, having this conversation with me. It's very hard (laughs) to find people that will have this conversation and it actually be a conversation. And uh, him not only looking at this from a a conservative standpoint, you know, fiscally, are we responsible? Is this a good economic decision? Is this good for our communities and good for society? But looking at it from a biblical perspective and willing to have this conversation, this is so valuable. You need people like Demetrius in your life who can help you unpack these things and uh, certainly go and uh, check out what he's written about this and uh, some of the other conversations that he's had. Think deeply about not only this issue, but other issues. If life and death is on the line you need to have a real uh, opinion perspective that you have arrived at because you have done the research. Uh, don't simply accept what other people say. Um, come to your own conclusion. And uh, again, whether you fall on one side or the other of this, uh, that's important. But what's more important is that you arrive there because you said, what does the Bible have to say about this? What's my biblical perspective on this? Uh, what are the larger cultural implications of this? And come to the right conclusion based on your understanding of the issue. Uh, so, so important and really appreciate Demetrius, the work that he's doing on this, but his willingness to sit down and have this conversation. Um, and he does love baseball and we may do a whole episode just on, just on baseball. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, we kind of did a, uh, an after show after we stopped recording on baseball and uh, we might come back and do that again, but uh, appreciate him. Check him out and uh, the work that he is doing. If you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, please take time right now to subscribe. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed. Leave us a comment if you can. And if you'd like to rate us, we would love that. That helps us of course. And then share this content out with other folks in your world. You know, people that need to uh, also think deeply about these issues and have these conversations, share this content out with them. That would be Fantastic. And then when you get done with this and you get to your computer or you're holding your phone, you're going to YouTube, you know you're going to watch videos on YouTube, check out the Situation Report channel. You can go there, search for The Situation Report. You'll find our channel there. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave us a comment. And again, use that platform to share this content out. And uh, we're constantly putting up uh, great interviews, great guests like this one. And I would love to share that with you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. 
I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with uh, in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux. And together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. 
Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all of your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that out, application out. Our team will get back to you, set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.